Hello and welcome to United Q Barbecue Podcast, the only barbecue podcast in the UK, brought to you by your host, Dan from United Q, and his co-host, Barbecue Forte. Hello. This episode is brought to you by our kind sponsors, ProQ Smokers. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. That's P-R-O-Q, letter Q, S-M-O-K-E-R-S. Right, guys, on today's episode, we actually have our sponsors on. So, we have... Hi, and Ian. Hi, guys. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for being a part of this for today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um... We're going to talk about um, the cues that you guys use yourselves. Um, so if you could give us a quick intro about what it is that you actually like to cook on and the reasons why you like cooking on them. Yeah, sure. I mean, we use um, mostly our bullet smokers um, for sort of home stuff and cooking at work um, just because they're easy to use a small capacity. Um, and, yeah, they, they seem to do enough for up to sort of 20 people. Um, we use them really regularly. Uh, bigger than that, we've got our gravity feed smokers as well. Uh, they're sort of commercial size, good for catering. Um, and then we've got some new reverse flows as well coming out later this year, uh, which are great for sort of competition size, um, maybe small catering events. Okay, cool. So just for the listeners that don't know, what, what is a gravity feed uh, smoker? So our gravity feed is an um, insulated cabinet smoker that runs on charcoal. Um, and it's basically got a charcoal hopper. So you fill up sort of uh, between 12 and 16 kgs of charcoal, and uh, as it burns away, it slowly feeds itself, so you don't need to refill it. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you met, When you were talking then, you mentioned about cooking at work. Um, someone's told me before on a Friday you quite often fire up the queue and have a little smoke out in the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Every Friday without fail, we um, feed everyone at Max Barbecue. Um and we had um, hanger on as well. Yeah, yeah, I, bet, yeah. I bet people <laughs> smell it in the industrial state and come over. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you guys are very popular around there then. <laughs> <laughs> what did you cook in there last Friday? Uh, we had chicken thighs and pork belly. Nice. And to your own recipes? Yeah, we try and keep it fairly simple. Uh, just a, a very simple rub most of the times. Um, Occasionally we'll get scent rubs to try, and that's when we we trial them. Awesome. So, you guys, I take it, you're mainly low and slow versus the hot and fast methods. Um, yeah, to to a certain extent. I mean, our history is in low and slow, uh, but we do do quite a bit of hot and fast as well. I mean, you know, some of the the cooks we do are. Know, incorporating both low and slow and then finishing off with a bit of hot and fast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all methods are, are good, you know. Uh, so sort of like re- reverse searing, that sort of thing. So you, you're starting off a lot of cooks. I mean, that's where that's sort of come from, isn't it? Starting off cooks low and slow and then finish off with more. a... Yeah. And for things like uh, pork belly or you know, chicken thighs and that sort of thing, we would you know, smoke those for a couple of hours or an hour and then just you know, finish them off on the grill. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I, I personally use the base of my Pro-Q to do a lot of hot and fast stuff with that. I find it's, it's really good for that. After I've finished smoking, just pop the top bits off and then stick it just yeah, in the base. That's awesome. the beauty of it, because you can just, it's segmented, so you can take it apart and just uh, actually during the cook, you can switch from having a full unit and then you can switch down to just using the grill at the end mm. and stuff like that, which is one of the things that I love about it is the versatility. Yeah. We try and, uh, in everything that we we manufacture and design, we try and uh, make it as versatile as possible. Um, you know, we don't want, for instance, a customer who buys a smoker and then finds that they don't actually like smoking. Uh, they're not stuck with a dedicated smoker. They can, they've still got a, a usable barbecue and, and can do the other bits and bobs on it, you know. Yeah, well, that's the same with with, with me. Like, I, I do all sorts of cooks, but at the same time, I still like to go back to the old sort of traditional, just like a burger and and stuff like that, sort of uh, sausages and just your your normal sort of British barbecue. So yeah, so that that's what you can do with with the Pro Qs. You can go all the way up to, 
I mean, whole, whole briskets and, and pork butts and, and everything else like that. But at the same time, you've always got your, your standard barbecue, your standard grill for, for what like the, the average sort of uh, household uses it for, which is, that's, that's the great thing that I see with it. Um, we, we think, on the, especially on the bullet smokers, that's what we've achieved is, is something that's really versatile and, and affordable and is a good, a good sort of mid-range um, you know, bit of kit. Awesome. Also, wh- when you mentioned the gravity feed earlier on, you also uh, spoke about a reverse flow. Could you also just mention to the listeners what a reverse flow is, just in case uh, they might not know? Yeah, sure. So a reverse flow has got a, um, it's, it's another cabinet smoker. So it's got um, two inches of insulation all the way around it. Um, and it's got a firebox bottom, much like a water smoker does. Um, but the way it works is the air flows um, up the sides of the smoker and then is pushed down through the food and then is taken back up the back through sort of like a quite complex chimney system. And what that does cool. is it keeps your cooking area really even. So from the top grate to the bottom grate, you get very little variation. And same from side to side. It doesn't change much your temperatures. That's why comp teams like to use them, because they're so consistent. Yeah. Have you guys done any competitions yourselves using that kit? Um, Not on the new stuff, no. And uh, um, I did uh, sort of quite a way back uh, do a bit of comp stuff. But to be honest, guys, uh, we'd love to do it, but it's just finding the time. Um, and on the competition side, we, we mostly get involved on the sponsorship side and also um, do the odd bit of judging. Yeah, I saw you on the stage at Grillstock last year. Yeah, I think I, the only claim to fame there is that I've eaten the most things at Grillstock in the judges, out of the judges ever. Um, I've somehow got roped into the, the wings uh, judging as well, which um, was quite tricky at times. Something like 60 dishes in two days. Yeah, something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> what a job. Yeah. It's hard, but someone's got to do it, isn't it? <laughs> if you ever need anyone else to try 60 dishes in one, then let me know. <laughs> yeah, it, it was um, actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But yeah, the wings, uh, some of the guys um, really, you know, spiced them up a lot just uh, because it wasn't a category that counted towards the overall sort of prize so they just like to have a bit of fun with the judges and, and see the pain on their face try and make some judges cry <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you guys sell like a proky smoker do you supply any advice with them on like how to cook meats or what temperatures you should cook what meats at yeah they come with a small sort of instruction manual that has um, basic cooking instructions and a couple of recipes in there um what we like about this way of cooking is, you know, once you've you sort of, you know, get used to the smoker, you you can basically do whatever you want on it, um, and we, you know, the more you experiment, the better. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely concur with that. Whenever I've been using mine, I'm just adapting it each time as I learn how it went the first time. I change it the next time, try it a bit longer, try it a bit lower. Maybe yeah. Sometimes the opposite way around. I think no matter how much of a no matter how skilled you are as a barbecue, or no matter how long you've been barbecuing, whenever you get a new smoker, you, you have to get used to it. You have to experiment with it. And again, I'm constantly experimenting with, with everything that I do in the sort of food food world. I, I'm constantly changing rubs, trying new things, uh, trying new brines, trying different recipes. So I mean, it's one of those things that you've constantly got to sort of uh, adapt and, and change things and try new things, which is, which is great because the Pro-Q allows you to do so much. Yeah, I mean, just with uh, American-style barbecue, just the, the different wood types that you can smoke with is, just gives you endless sort of possibilities on, on flavors. I mean, you know, you can mix beech and hickory and, you know, and just any other wood or together and, you know, it changes the whole cook. Um, and the same with rubs. Um, you know, so so for me, it's I don't think you ever get to a point where you know everything. Definitely um, not, definitely yeah i've never I've never tried actually myself combining different woods. I've always just gone for a straight hickory or a straight no, beech you wood. no i need to need to be a bit more adventurous i think <laughs> 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 um you guys you guys sell different types of wood as well yourselves don't you yeah we've got eight different wood types um you know the the most of the the normal ones like your hickory oak uh beech cherry apple and that sort of thing um and then we 
we've got we've recently got a, a supplier of, of some Scotch whiskey um, mm. chunks, chips, single malt barrels. Nice, uh, awesome, that's incredible. That's um, yeah, it's a good way to start the morning. Just sticking your head into a bag of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got some of your wine oak ones. They they smell pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean. That's the other thing is, you know, people experiment with the woods. You know, there's olive, um, you know, there's grape vine that you can use. Mm-hmm. You know, on the cold smoking side, when you go into the dust, and you can sprinkle some dried herbs on there just to give it a bit of a kick. Um, as I say, that's what I love about it. It's just endless possibilities and opportunities. Mm. Do, you, do you think there's like any difference between using these sort of chunks and getting like a proper log and chopping it up yourself? Um, well, generally the bought ones are going to be, um, you know, heat treated and dried to a specific moisture content. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll more than likely have the bark removed. Um, so you, you're you looking at a more consistent product um, if, you, if you're wanting to cater for someone or you're sort of competition cooking. But I think for home users, you know, if you can get good uh, sort of wood locally sourced that's fine um, now I like to remove the bark it's one of those contentious uh, issues but you know um, it's, it's personal preference really yeah does it make much of a difference you think then if you remove the bark um, I, I guess I've got it in my head that you know the bark's like the skin of the tree and all the ugly buglies get stuck to it and mm-hmm. you know um, I'm not sure I'm I want that on my on my food. Um, I I tend to think it gives you a little bit of a more bitter smoke. Yeah, uh, you can imagine that. Yeah, I think I've heard that as well. I think I've heard people saying that. What about sort of seasoning wood then? Because I know that if uh, once you chop down a tree to get sort of best flavour, I mean, I tend to season my wood for about six to six months, a sort of minimum. So I like sort of six months, twelve months season. Do you do the wood that you sell? Uh, is that seasoned wood? Yeah, it's it's seasoned and heat treated, so it's it's very consistent. Uh, especially those chunks, they're they're sort of blocks, as opposed to sort of um, bits of wood that you know just been locked off a tree. Yeah. Uh, the the beauty of that is that you you know if it takes if you're doing a competition cooking that you've won on putting three blocks of smoke on, then you can replicate that pretty easily. Yeah. With size chunks and branches and that you you struggle a bit. Yeah, awesome. I, I see that when like when I'm throwing together sort of sauces and stuff, I quite often get to the end and I'm like, "Oh, that sauce was amazing," but I don't actually know what I put in it. Or I do a cook and I, and what the end product's amazing, and I'm like, "Yeah, that was great, my best ever brisket or whatever." And I'm like, I didn't really record what I was doing, and I didn't know how many chunks of wood I used or what wood. And I'm just like back at back at square one again. So you just never know how you got there, and it's it's like a a puzzle. Do you mean to get that perfect cook? It's or to get what you consider a perfect cook or, or a great cook is piecing together that puzzle and putting together all those different things like woods, your, your amount of smoke, your, your temperature and stuff like that, wrapping, not wrapping. So it's, yeah, so I can completely understand where you're coming from there with the, with the sort of equal size chunks. You definitely know sort of how much smoke you're getting and you can replicate that, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys um, do, do sort of record everything on their cooks, which is a good thing. Uh, it's mostly competition guys, um, but to be totally blunt and honest, you know, smoking at home, if you cook with oak or hickory, I would very much doubt if you could blind test and, and say which one's which. Mm. Um, if you don't, you know, if you haven't been smoking for sort of 10 years or something, it's it's quite it's quite difficult to, to tell the difference. Yeah, no, I totally agree, yeah. I mean... I- I use oak as oak's my sort of standard go-to wood, but yeah, I mean, from from me, I mean, I'm not, I haven't been smoking for years and years. I'm no, I'm no, I don't claim to be any expert. I'm just, just love it. But I do sort of notice some some slight flavor difference and sort of the intensity differences and stuff like that. So I do know that if, so I do use oak as my sort of go-to beach. I find them quite sort of uh, similar. Maybe beach just a little bit weaker than oak, but those are the two my sort of go-to. Uh, go-to woods because uh, i find them accessible as well in my area so and also i've ordered them from you guys in the past uh which is which is great yeah oaks um oaks quite a strong smoke as well it's um 
yeah, it gives you gives you good smoke ring most of the time as well. Yeah, I don't, my my weapon of choice, I guess, is hickory. Tends to be the one I would use the most often. Um, you mentioned when you were prepping meats and stuff earlier that you'll put rubs and stuff on. Do you tend to make your own rubs, or have you got like a favourite commercial rub that's available? Um, we we generally make our own, but like we said, I mean, some people send us some for testing and that sort of thing. Um, we may have some sort of coming out later this year as well, uh, which would be great. Um, but if, if we do manage to get hold of commercial rubs, um, we try and get hold of butt rub. It's quite hard to get hold of because it's from the US, yeah. um, but it's made by quite a good friend of ours called Byron, um, and it's absolutely amazing on pulled pork. Okay, so that's, that's butt rub, it's called? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I need to try that then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, also, do you, do you uh, so then that's, that's your sort of rubs, do you tend to brine or, or inject your meats? Um, we don't really brine as that much. I mean, we use brining for curing purposes when cold smoking, but for hot smoking, I haven't found that it makes a huge difference. Um, I can get just as moist a turkey on on a water smoker with or without brine. I don't I don't think it makes a huge difference. Um, That's but really interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, mm, I'd agree with you as well. On Christmas Day, I smoked my turkey and I didn't brine. Lots of people were saying you've got a brine, but I didn't, and it was the best turkey I've ever had. Yeah, it's, it's another one of those, you know, contentious issues where, you know, do you soak your wood or not? Or, um, you know, do you brine or don't you brine? Um, yeah. I don't, you know... What uh, do you think on the soaking of wood then? <laughs> you don't even want to go down that road. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're soaking in a beer or whiskey, then, yeah, no, I've got a really big issue with that. Yeah. That's what when you said about the sort of whiskey, uh, the whiskey flavored uh, wood. Unless it's sort of unless it's barreled, you're not gonna. When people are soaking their their wood chips in whiskey for an hour before they cook, I just think you're it's never gonna, gonna get, get flavor. Faster, you're never gonna get that flavor in there. In my opinion, anyway, I never have. I've tried it. I. But it's got to be like sort of that barrel, that the sort of barrel wood that you guys are talking about, the cask wood. Yeah, I mean, whiskey's been sitting in there for you know six months, a year, or whatever, and. Um, you know, it's soaked into the wood. Um, yeah. You're not going to get that by, you know, soaking in whiskey an hour before you cook on it. Yeah. Um, it just is, for me, um, in order to produce smoke, um, the wood has to reach a, a certain moisture content anyway. So if you soak it and if you do manage to get any moisture into that wood, wood you've got to burn that moisture off before it produces smoke. So for me, it's a little bit of a, yeah, waste of time. Mm, interesting. But that's my personal opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, cool, yeah. And what about injecting then? I suppose similar for you guys then? Injecting works well if um if you use something sugary, um, especially for pulled pork. Uh, because that sugar helps to break down enzymes and that's you know, that's scientifically proven. Um, but some guys think it's you know, it's not authentic barbecue. I, I use Coca Cola or mango juice or something high sugar content really helps cool, break cool. awesome um, if we if we can't get a usda brisket like we're cooking at home it's it's quite an expensive bit of meat so if you get a really good british brisket um and you haven't got that marbling content injecting your brisket with beef stock or butter really really does make a difference now that's really interesting that's really interesting yeah so when you're injecting it do you just inject it straight down the middle or how how often would you inject the with was he had butter in it? Yeah, butter. Yeah, or or he's he was saying yeah. So you, I mean, do you inject like numerous times, or do you pick one point in the middle, or what? What do you tend to do? Numerous times, probably an inch apart, um, and just you know, you've got to sort of put your needle in, and then as you sort of pushing the the plunger down, slowly pull it out, and um, sounds very sexy, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> just work the needle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's you'll you'll soon know. It's quite a messy process if you, you know, if you've got someone standing nearby, they're more than likely going to get squirted with something. Okay. <laughs> because suddenly it'll come up the the hole that you injected. God, this is going downhill quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a barbecue podcast. Come on. <laughs> so, guys, what what's your like family favourite to cook at home? Um, for me, it's uh, 
beef ribs, brisket or, or wings. Um, Ty, Ty got something else, I suppose. Yeah, I, I like pork belly at the moment. It's sort of my, my go-to. I just love when, when you get it just right and the fat just renders perfectly. Mm. Uh, yeah, my favourite thing. Or um, there was uh, Danny Hawk from Bristol Drum Smokers. He submitted a recipe to our um, competition recently, um, actually last summer. But um, it was for... Uh, like moinks, it was mac and cheese stuffed meatballs wrapped in bacon, and they were insane. Oh, wow, I have to check that one out, definitely. We actually have uh, Danny Hawk, he's lined up to come on the show at some point, so that'll be one of the future episodes. Yeah, yeah. the recipes are on, on our website, um, so you know, they, we try and put stuff on there that's a little bit, uh, you know, a bit more off the wall than, than your general run of the mill stuff. So, is, is that uh, the Max Barbecue website? Uh, what what is the address for for the listeners? Second bit is it maxbarbecue.com? M A C S B B Q dot com. Cool. And then it's, oh yeah, there's a, like a recipes button there. I'm already yeah. on it now. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> and Ty, you mentioned your pork belly. So so, what's the process for you cooking this pork, perfect uh, pork belly then for the for the guys listening? Uh, what I what I've been doing recently is um, cooking it on one of our water smokers, um, but taking the water pan out and just cooking on the top grill. So you'd start your fire as normal um, and you really salt the skin side of your pork and then rub the other side with um, sort of, you know, basic rub, paprika, salt, sugar, um, a bit of garlic powder. And then you just cook it as sort of long distance direct cooking. Okay, cool. So the height, the height of the the smoker then gives you that, like you said, the that long distance between the actual uh, heat source and and the meat there. But you're actually doing it direct. So there's nothing actually blocking that. You said you're taking the water bath out, so there's there's nothing blocking it, which means it's direct cooking, but you're cooking it at a good height. Yeah. So you also would keep the skin down, so you get a really decent crackle on there as well. Um, and then you know, towards the end, if I, I I normally do that for like two and a half hours or so, and then drop it down at the end just to make sure that the crackling really pops up. Oh wow, awesome! So what's what's what temperature are you cooking it to for the two hours? Um, it's looking at about three fifty, something like that. Okay, cool, cool. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm just spending my time looking on your website at recipes now. Please <laughs> then. Yeah, I've got some tequila glazed wings. I'm interested on oh, yeah, those. Was, I've not tried tequila with anything barbecue. Is that good? Have you have you ever drank it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no. Tequila's good. It's good with um like Mexican flavours, you know, chili, mm. lime. Works well. Don't soak your wood chips in it though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pull you back in. Uh, you were saying that your favourite, one of your favourite cooks is uh, beef ribs. Uh, that's a favourite of mine. That's my absolute favourite thing to barbecue. I absolutely love them at the minute. Uh, short ribs or, or Jacob's Ladder, the whole, I mean, whatever. I, I absolutely love the flavour. So so how would I, how could I improve my uh, beef ribs, in your opinion? Um, I guess for for me, the most important thing is, is selecting the right, um, you know, getting a good cut of meat. And, you know, make friends with your butcher and, um, you know, see if you can get local if possible. Um, what are the listeners looking for when you say a good cut? What 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 particularly are we looking for for, for a good cut of meat? Um, well, you're looking for the right sort of fat content. Um, uh, you know, usually it, it'll be aged properly, so it's a little bit darker than um, what you get in the supermarket. Okay, so, so some, nice, some nice marble in then and... and uh, Hopefully, looking a little bit darker because it's been aged. Yeah, yeah, and and once you get to know your butcher and he understands what you're trying to do, he he'll he'll sort of you know keep the best cuts for you. Yeah, I um, couldn't agree more. Definitely. And um, yeah, I mean, I like to keep it quite simple, just a, a salt and pepper uh, rub, maybe with a little bit of coffee on it. Um, but you know, I'm going to stop you there. The coffee. See, I've I've heard a lot about the coffee. We were talking about. Uh, me and Ben were talking about this the other day. I actually haven't tried coffee in much, but but yeah, I'm really interested in, in that. And and how does that flavour sort of come through? Is that is that a, an intense it's sort of really, flavour? Yeah, it, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's a, a really intense flavour, um, but it's it's a background flavour rather. And yeah, it definitely it, cooks up. And it just it really does go well with beef. Uh, oh, awesome. Beer cuts. Yeah. So I mean, can you te- can you definitely taste coffee when you're eating it? 
Um, I wouldn't say it was like having a cappuccino or something like that, but yeah, it has, it has like a flavor. <laughs> yeah, it, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a distinctly coffee flavor. Okay. Cool, cool. I'm, I'm a salt and pepper guy, yeah. uh, similar to you. Uh, if I'm feeling extremely jazzy, I might go with a bit of garlic powder or a tiny bit of onion powder. But yeah, salt and pepper with, with my beef tends to be my go-to. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. I'll definitely try and, uh, and uh, use a bit of coffee. Is there anything, what sort of, uh, just sort of ground coffee beans? Is that is that what I'm looking to do? Yeah, use a good, a good um, you know, a good grade of coffee. Yeah, uh, something that you, would, you enjoy drinking? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, just again, you you want it low and slow on this one. Um, you don't, you shouldn't need to, you know, uh, finish it off on the grill or anything. This, you know, takes about six to eight hours. Um, and yeah, just two twenty-five to two fifty Fahrenheit, and it's that simple. Awesome, awesome. Are you guys? Are you guys uh, sort of? Are you are you uh, probe sort of uh, temperature to finish, or do you guys uh, go by sort of sight because you've been doing it for so long? Do you know what you're looking for, or, or do you cook to temp? Um, depends on the cook, doesn't it? Yeah, and it also, I mean, we would sort of take it to a temp where it's close to where we want to get to, and then go by feel and, and sight. Then, um, you know, I, I don't usually try and finish on a temperature. Um, but I'll get close to to what what people say are the right temperature to cook to, and then I'll start, you know, paying a bit more attention to it. Yeah, you're not hanging out for that last one degree. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I did some briskets this weekend, and um, you know, I was expecting them to take about 14 hours. They finished in 10, mm-hmm. um, so it was a bit of a shocker. But they turned out beautifully, um, and that was just down to the fact that okay, they re- reached sort of you know, 190, and I just watched them for the next sort of 10 degrees, um, and they were they were perfect. Yeah, that's cool. I've had that same problem there when I've actually gone out thinking it's going to take 14 hours and come back after 10 hours and it's done, and you think, oh, bit ca- got to be a bit careful going out, leaving it going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have turned one brisket into a biscuit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I think anyone, I mean... Or when I say I'm putting myself out here, I mean I've cooked a, 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 my first few briskets were terrible. I'm not even. I mean, I wouldn't even say hardly even edible. I think it's uh, briskets a massive learning curve. I think that it's one of those things that. Uh, I mean, other things that I I didn't really struggle getting to what I thought was a good standard of sort of uh, pulled pork or or like a, other cooks like that ribs. I'm quite happy with my ribs, but. I found brisket particularly a hard one to get right, and I found it. I actually ruined a couple of briskets uh, in the process of doing of getting there. So, I definitely think that it's, it's something that that's uh, maybe a little bit tougher to to get the hang of and get into the swing of. But practice definitely practice gets you gets you there. Yeah, I mean, it, I'd it agree entirely. An, yeah, it's an expensive cut to practice on. Mm. Um, yeah, especially if you're going for a, 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 a good breed or like sort of wagyu. Uh, USDA or something. I mean, you've got to be uh, spending. A, I mean, it's, it's a, a small fortune to be cooking uh, good quality briskets. Yeah, but with the USDA, although they're quite expensive, they are fairly forgiving because of their their fat content, um, and that's why a lot of the competition guys use that. Um, very few people use a, a wagyu. Um, there are a couple of teams we know that do, but um, to be honest, they they're more looking. Um, you know, only if it's if it's a big money competition, then they'll they'll go out and spend that on a wagyu. I think for home use, you know, there's some very good Irish uh, briskets around, um, and I'm sure there are some some local producers that that would be able to to give you um, a really good brisket as well. But it is it is one of those cuts that um, you know, if it hasn't got that fat content, it's very difficult to get right. You've had local briskets and been quite successful with those, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It, again, it's it's just down to sort of testing, testing out, and 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 finding, getting the feelers out, and, and trying different things, and uh, trying to speak. Like I said, getting to know your butcher and, and uh, asking them questions and and talking to them so they learn what you're trying to get. Like you were saying, what they're what you're trying to to get from the cook, and and they'll understand that. So yeah, I mean, I've I've tried local briskets and I've I've had a couple of fairly successful ones which uh, again have been down to sort of they've been slightly more marbled and 
and they're so they're a little bit more forgiving than I mean the the tends to be pretty lean the uh, the British brisket standard sort of tends to be pretty lean so like you were saying it's pretty hard to get a good finished product on on something like that but I've had some success. Yeah, and getting your butcher to understand the the cuts that you're looking for. I mean, traditionally brisket in the UK, uh, they'll they'll trim it right down, trim all the fat off, and then roll it. Um, so so getting them to understand that you're looking for a full pack of brisket, or you know, a pork shoulder, um, a butt, um, and how you want your ribs. That's that's sort of once you get past that, then most of the time you'll you'll end up with a good product. Yeah, except, I mean, if you were to get a, a rolled a rolled uh, brisket flat, then there literally is hardly any fat. I mean, most of the fat in a in a whole brisket comes from the point end anyway. So, I mean, if you were to get just the flat, then you, you, it's going to be a tough anyway. It's going to be tough going no matter where you get your brisket from. Yeah, they're designed for pot roasting and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. That sort of brisket, but, no, um, yeah. On, on, keep it on the brisket there. So, do you guys, when you're cooking, do you uh, do you wrap your briskets? Do you wrap foil? Do you like sort of Texas crutch? Do you wrap paper? How do you how do you go about your brisket? For me, I, I tend to to look for when it's uh, reaches an internal of about one fifty to one fifty five, and then I'll wrap it um, until it gets to about one ninety, and then uncover it again and uh, have a look at how it's doing. You know, check for the the, the wobble um, and you know see if it's got a good bark on it um, you know uh, and just that's you know you've got a cr- critical period where your 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 um, your probe will slide in and out um, really easily uh, and that's when you can take it off and rest it awesome awesome I'm guessing you guys have cooked quite a lot of different things on on barbecues over the years have you got anything you haven't tried that you really want to try? Um, well, I don't know that I really want to try them, you know. But um, you know, coming from originally from Zimbabwe, we've we've you know eaten crocodile and ostrich and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I I'd, I'd like to try a little bit more of the the game uh, deer and that sort of thing. Maybe a bit of rabbit. Cool, cool. It's probably pretty hard to source crocodile around these parts. So, <laughs> <laughs> and what's the what's the what's the weirdest thing you ever cooked then? Oh, that's a good question. I'll, I'll give that to Ty. <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever cooked um, on a barbecue. Yeah, what's the weirdest thing you ever cooked on on the barbecue? Oh wow! Um, I found a pheasant uh, that I hit with my car, and I cooked that. Didn't really find it then, did you? <laughs> <laughs> They stumbled across this pheasant and... <laughs> to stop and look for a while. Yeah. Before you hit the pheasant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How was um, it then? Yeah, no, it was um, it was awful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the worst thing I've eaten. Um, yeah. I won't be doing it again. Oh, that's, what, that killing pheasants or... <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, really my next question there. Well, you've ca- killed both questions. Oh what about stuff like do you uh, do you guys ever like uh, so I know barbecue forty over here is a, a bit of a known to do a bit of baking on the on the barbecue. Do you guys ever go down that sort of road, or do you tend to stick to more traditional cooking on the barbecue? We've got a really good recipe um, again from our competition for a uh, bread and butter pudding. Cool, smoked on the barbecue, and it is absolutely stunning. Um, Awesome. I think that's like one of those things that people like don't really see the side of. But actually, with a with one of the Pro Q Bullet smokers, the, the versatility you can actually cook so, such amazing things on it. I mean, like the, the baking side of things. Like I've I've had one of their barbecue fortes got a recipe on for uh, it's a pineapple upside down cake on his blog, and that's another one which is absolutely phenomenal with a bit of smoke in there as well. Just a bit of subtle smoke. Nothing, nothing too much. You don't want it to be overpowering, but. Just a little bit of subtle smoke in there, and it's it, it's so beautiful. It's lovely, actually. Yeah, people always yeah, just I mean, people forget about puddings on the barbecue. Yeah, but um, yeah, we also we also do the cold smoking stuff. So um, you know, which can you know, we've got a little device that uh, just produces cold smoke that can go basically into the bottom of just about any barbecue. So yeah, I mean, we do butter and that sort of thing. Um, and and that's a whole different ball game again. 
So, yeah. so tell us more about that then. So uh, your your cold smoker is that the uh, it sort of looks like a little maze, isn't it? And uh, you've put sawdust in it. Is that right? And yeah, yeah, that's the one. So we've done stuff like um, uh, sort of smoked coconut sorbet. Oh wow! So you can really, really do absolutely anything with with the cold smoker because you've got no heat, you've got no sort of things to keep you back. You can smoke cheese, salt, sugar paprika whatever you want yeah i'm massively into charcuterie as well that's something that i'm really into that's that was something i was into before sort of barbecue that was what sort of brought me down the barbecue route i was into charcuterie and doing a lot of cold smoking i built myself a a cold smoking unit out of an old filing cabinet i spoke about last week briefly which is pretty cool and and yeah i I mean i tend i love this i just love the smoky flavor so i just try smoking anything i possibly can yeah we're the same are there any good techniques to keep the temperature down when you're using your cold smoker like in a pro queue? Come on, Ben, we're in the UK. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I just imagine like a butter just melting through. We have, um, you know, uh, temperatures over sort of 20 degrees where you if you put a bit of butter on your cold smoker, it's going to melt and just end up in a pile. Um so yeah, I mean you can you can put a, a bath of ice in there or something, yeah. and that generally is sufficient to keep the, the temperatures down. Or smoking overnight's another really good tip. Yeah. Um, put it on, make sure it's lit, and then go to bed. When you wake up, you've done twelve hours. Mm. Awesome, awesome. Uh, when you mentioned ice, then I've seen a lot of people actually smoking ice as well now. Yeah, yeah. Um, homemade liquid smoke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We even had a guy who um, smokes Marmite. Really? And he, he, he travels a lot around the world and he, he doesn't go anywhere without his Tarmite, as he calls it. Tarmite. <laughs> you have to start selling that. <laughs> so with your, with the your cold smoking again, so you can uh, smoke, what sort of, what sort of temperatures sort of, do you want to max out at? What Where do you want to keep it below? Um, well, from what all the books say, you want to keep it below... 30 degrees. Um, I personally don't like smoking sort of above 20 degrees. Um, yeah, and even even if you're smoking stuff like meat, um, especially if you haven't cured it, you want to keep it well below sort of five if you can. But that's why you'd stick to sort of night time. That's why it's more of a winter thing than a summer thing most of the time. Yeah, cool. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, can we talk back a bit about ProQ itself then? And so, uh, what? How did ProQ start? Or Max Barbecue, how did that begin? Yeah, um, we we came over from Zimbabwe about 13 years ago. Um, my my sort of background is in the motor trade. I was in uh, that for 20 years with BMW and Toyota. Um, and when I got across here, I couldn't get a job in the motor industry. Um, but um, yeah, I uh, got offered a, a job uh, just running a, a small barbecue company that sold online um, and unfortunately the guy was a little bit ahead of his time and and ran out of funds um, so yeah we, we we decided that we would take it on ourselves and um, we decided back then that you know um, we had to do something different uh, and we're going back sort of uh, a good eight years eight nine years now where if you spoke about smoking food, people looked at you funny and thought, cigarettes and food, how does that work? <laughs> so um, that's where it all started. We started importing stuff from the States, um, and it was really tough to start with. I mean, um, you know, as I say, nobody knew about it, um, but we also had the problems where the States, the supply was really erratic. Um, and to be honest, the quality we were getting wasn't that great either. So we eventually, uh, I mean, we're pretty slow learners. Um, so we, uh, we we decided, look, we, we can have a look at everything that's out there and take all the good points of, you know, each one of them and uh, build it into one unit. Uh, and try and, as I say, for us it's important that the units are as versatile uh, as possible they also need to be you know affordable as well um, so that's where we started um, ProQ itself now the brand is will be 10 years this year 
So. Oh, wow. And I see now that it's, it's huge. You're not doing so well in Australia. A lot of the Australian sort of cooks I sort of uh, keep in touch with. And uh, and, and even in, in America, it's, it's doing so well. It's, it's such a huge brand across the world now, which is awesome to see. And again, you guys come from or, uh, living just down the road from us, actually, Bodmin, which is, it was the weirdest thing ever when I actually heard that you guys are based down there because it's like, this like worldwide barbecue brand that's uh, that, that I love and I had a pro queue before I even know, knew knew where you were and stuff and then I, the the barbecue that I really wanted and went out for and and love using was actually like shipped from down the road which I never knew which was really awesome. Yeah, I mean um, we we kind of like that interaction uh, where you know people know us as a, a local company and we're we're not a, a corporation we're we're just a bunch of guys that love what we do we're passionate about what we do and our background is you know from from using the stuff ourselves so um, when we design products we we try and make them as easy to use as possible um, but we we sort of liken ourselves to professional golfers where they get paid to do what they enjoy um, and that's that's what the, the business for us is about awesome Awesome. You also mentioned uh, that you're, you're from Zimbabwe, and, and and also I know from, from speaking to you guys and uh, Barbecue Forte, speaking to you that you you travel a lot and, and like to experiment a lot. It's something that I, I love to travel, and my I've got heritage from from Iran, so that really influences my barbecue or where I began barbecue with a sort of uh, grilling sort of kebabs and everything. Everything's cooked over charcoal in Iran traditionally. So so how does how does sort of your your background uh how does that that influence your barbecue or or what is barbecue like in Zimbabwe and also uh, do you find that when you're traveling that it massively uh, influences what you're doing? Yeah, I mean traditionally in Zimbabwe, I mean it's you know everyone says, "Oh, you must you know, you must be really a professional." And um what we sort of struggle with is um that most people in this part of the world, understand barbecue as grilling. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and the same in Zimbabwe, South Africa, Australia, you know, a barbecue is, is grilling something over high heat. Um, whereas what we've come to understand barbecue as is, is smoking and cooking over fire, basically, in, in very uh, many different uh, forms. So, yeah, it's, I'd say... Um, the Zimbabweans were really good grillers, but it wasn't so much about the the meat. It was more about the party around the the bry, as they call it there. So awesome! That is one thing that I just love about food is the the fact it brings everyone. No matter what sort of food it is, it's bringing everyone together. And and again, like a barbecue, like whenever you think of like a party, like the first thing you think of in my mind anyway is the barbecue let's have a barbecue it brings everyone together the drinks are flowing there's laughter people are having fun enjoying the good food everyone's gathering around the barbecue gathering around the fire and it's, it is that 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 just that social element and that sort of uh, family element and stuff like that that really really sticks out for me yeah i mean that's what we i mean we spent a lot of time in the in the bush out there i mean we lived uh, about 50 kilometers from one of the largest uh, national parks, um, which was really wild. If you went in there on a weekend, you were pretty unfortunate if you saw another car. Um, so, you know, we spent a lot of time around a fire, um, which we, we refer to as Bushman TV. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, there's nothing better than, you know, sharing, you know, food cooked on a fire with family and friends and, and being able to sit down afterwards, I mean, often we'll just take the base of the Pro-Q after we've cooked on it and throw a couple of logs in there and have a little, you know, fire gang that we all sit around. It's it's just fantastic. There's there's nothing that beats it. Yeah, we we definitely do the same. That's always pop the top off and stick it out in the middle of everyone sat around with the chairs. Yeah. So awesome. So what have you guys got planned next have you got anything special yeah, you coming mentioned up? Uh, maybe a couple of rubs or and you said that you've got a the uh the reverse flow that you've just that's just about to come out and stuff like that so so what what's the future for ProQ? what what are we going to see coming and happening um so we've got our commercial side moving forward um quite quickly um in europe um especially with our gravity feed smokers i mean because they're aimed at restaurants and that sort of thing it's been a little bit of a slow start it's quite a big investment um but we've definitely been moving forward i mean australia have 
massively bought into that. Um, and yeah, later this year, I think probably within the next month, we'll have our first two reverse flows arriving in the UK. Awesome. So we'll hook on those um, sort of constantly for a good couple of weeks um, just to make sure that we're completely happy with them and then we'll we'll have an order in. Um, and they'll be they'll be here probably by the beginning of summer. I saw the picture. You, they look absolutely beautiful. They look absolutely. I can't wait to to see one. Yeah, if you need yeah, a I mean, if you need a hand in those couple of weeks of testing, then don't worry about contacting <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah, give us a shout. Um, yeah. I'll let you know when they arrive. You can yeah. come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. What a lot of people ask us about on the on the especially on the the sort of uh, reverse flows is you know oh we need them lighter for competition, but unfortunately we don't build light because we build to last. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a compromise. You can build light, um, but you're not going to get a, a solid product that's going to last, you know, twenty, thirty years. Um, yeah. And what we'd rather go for is, you know, value for money. Yeah, I certainly know what I'd rather go for as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. Uh, yeah, they're a bit more difficult to get into your um, uh, Toyota Igo, but um, yeah. <laughs> my new Mini. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't see it fitting in there. <laughs> we'll have to mount it on the back. Yeah. <laughs> now that would be cool. Mount the mini inside. Yeah. Yeah. So we've also um we've also got uh, some charcoal coming up, um, which is coconut based. It's made from coconut shells. Um, so it's completely eco friendly. That's a waste product, um, and it's compressed into little cubes. Um, and it burns really, really hot and burns for ages. So it, it sort of blows lumpwood out of the water. That sounds awesome. I've actually tried it. Yeah, I've tried that out, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was saying, I was just saying to Dan the other day how awesome that stuff is. It, the smell of it as well, it just, when you, it didn't add a lot of taste, I don't think, to the flavour of the cook. But you could, when you open the box, you could smell coconut. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty awesome stuff. I mean, it's got a really low ash content as well, so you don't get that sort of um, full gap under your fire basket, and that sort of knocks out your fire. It lasts. It sort of only gives off a tiny bit of ash. Yeah, I concur with that. Yeah, when I've come to the end of a cook, whilst I've been using it, it was completely well, not completely clear. That'd be a lie, but it's pretty clear underneath, and it's kept a good airflow going through the whole time whilst I'm cooking. Um. Oops. Yeah, I think we've also um, we've also got our rubs coming out. Um, we've got a probably an all-purpose one. Uh, we've got one that's sort of uh, herby Mediterranean one for chicken. Um, and then we've got the beef one, which is uh, I think it's four different kinds of pepper. Uh, it's got tele cherry, plenty kick, and just salt with that. Oh wow, that sounds absolutely awesome! Sounds right up my street. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's amazing. I love it. Um, the last one we've got is a fish rub, which is kind of cool. It's also quite herby one, similar to our chicken rub. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know we've been playing with it for a while now, and I think I think we're we're almost ready. Cool. So, what is that? Just any fish that'll go with, or is this is it aimed at specific um, fish? Yeah, I think it's sort of it's it'll probably go better with white fish. I mean. Salmon and tuna are sort of something that I personally treat like beef. I give them salt and pepper, and they're they're happy. Yeah. Racist rub. (laughs) 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 Now, cool. So, when you say, I mean, I'm just going to quickly just uh, drop back there to the uh, four different types of pepper. So, in a rub, can you can you really taste the 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 different types of pepper? Is that is that something you guys have perfected over over a, a sort of period of time? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a um, sort of joint effort between us and this um, company that we're working with that really knows their spices. They source spices from all around the world, um, and it's sort of a blend that they've developed and sort of given us options with. And we've said, yeah, you know, this one's got the best flavors in it, and that's that's the way we worked that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can taste the different peppers. Some sweeter than others. Sometimes you get sort of a really big kick from the teller cherry. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite sort of um, yeah, it's an interesting that you get so much, so many different flavour levels out of just pepper. That sounds so cool. Uh, that's just really interests me. Uh, that's 
I can't wait to try it out. Awesome. We're both heavily into our herbs and spices, aren't we? So yeah, I like to sort of make uh, make my own rubs. And when I was around yours the other day, that uh, you, you had your uh, <laughs> your your rubs out on display and <laughs> get you get your get your nose in here, smell this, taste this, and and it was it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. I, that's what. I, I do love it. You you take it a little bit step further. I mean, you actually you you buy herbs in and, and you and you you smoke them yourself, and then yeah. you you then use them to create create further rubs, which is which is awesome. I haven't actually tried that myself, so that's something I'm definitely looking to give a uh, give a go at. Hmm. Just drying out stuff as well, so you can dry out like mushrooms and stuff like that to add that into different things as well. Yeah, cool, awesome. Hmm. Right, guys. Well. I would like to step in there. We're approaching the the hour mark, and uh, and just thank you for coming on the show and and uh, sharing all of that with us. I think that I mean I've learned I've learned some stuff from this podcast, and I'm sure other people have as well. And and, and it's great to have you on. No worries. Thanks for having us. It's been yeah. been really good fun. Thank yeah, you. Just like to you know thank everyone that supported us over the years. I mean, you know, without them we wouldn't have a business. So you know, thanks to all those guys that. that really have got behind the ProQ brand. Yeah, now also, and then you guys are also now getting behind other brands, which is great to see. I mean, you're supporting us, for instance, and I know from other things I've been at, been supported by ProQ, so it's great to then see you guys giving back to the barbecue world and, and uh, trying to trying to make things work, which is awesome. You've been a massive help to us, and, and we look forward to working with you further in the future, which is great, so thank you very much. And thank you thank for you. inventing such great barbecues and letting us use them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Right, so... This episode was brought to you by our kind sponsors, ProQ Smokers. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners or pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. That's P-R-O, the letter Q, Smokers. And thank you for tuning in to United Q Barbecue Podcast, the only barbecue radio podcast in the UK, brought to you by your host, Dan from United Q, and his co-host, Barbecue Forte. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>